Welcome to Talking Giants, another Victory Monday. I mean, I, I can't remember what losing feels like. I can't remember the last time we lost. Giants 17, Seahawks 12. Welcome to Talking Giants. I'm Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. We're brought to you by John Boy Media. Four-game winning streak at the time, sole position of first place. Even if Washington wins, we are still in first place because we own the tiebreaker. It feels good to be a New York Giants fan. Justin, how are you? You mentioned the four-game winning streak. The Giants are 5-2 and two out, of their, out of their last seven games. Bobby, the one thing that we were saying over our bi-week episode or you know, the one thing that we were kind of coming off of past the Bengals game, beat a team above 500. It's what we wanted. What we wanted. You know, we're feeling excited about the direction of the team. We're feeling good about this. But what they needed to do is they needed to beat a team above 500. They not only did that, Bobby, they beat the second-best quarterback in the National Football League. They beat a guy who throws the ball 15 yards down the field, one out of every four passing attempts. Cooked his ass. They beat, <laughs> they beat an offense that is high-flying, big play, and they dominated. They, they kind of dominated from start to finish, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I can't tell you the last time the Giants had a big win like this while they were in first place of the NFC East. Because even it was a significant win 2016 when they beat Dallas the second time, but they were still in second place in the NFC East. This is this is honestly, I don't want to call it franchise altering, but it could alter the direction of the franchise from here. Like from, the, from now on and from what the Giants can do with the rest of the season, including the playoffs, what they can do, this game can be like that turning point for this franchise. Yeah, man. We usually we usually on on the Monday episodes go offense to defense. This week we're going to go defense to offense. But before that, this episode was brought to you by Alex K. He don't have a last name. It's just the letter K. Scott G. In fact, I'm kind of getting a little weirded out here with the the people who don't have last names. They just have letters. Scott G. He's from Suspicious. England or something. Emmanuel N. Then we have NYG Meme Lord. That's not a real name. And then Jay Boolman. He's Boolin. Who are these uh, bloods? Well, they went to patreon.com backslash talking giants for $2 a month. They gave their support. Um, what everybody is doing right now, we are hanging out and we are celebrating the victory together on Sunday. So you could celebrate Victory Sunday with us when we win to hear our takes live. You don't have to wait till Victory Monday. Patreon.com backslash talking giants, $2 a month. You can also get some other uh, nice little perks. Uh, Bobby, we won, and I, I'm still kind of flabbergasted about it. And the defense still. won the game. I mean, the defense has been the strong point for the Giants all year. But, you know, a talking point was like, yeah, they haven't really faced anybody on offense, though. They haven't really done well against a good offense yet. I mean, we went up against the Seattle Seahawks, who have an awesome offense, an awesome quarterback, and we flat out dominated him. I mean, on so many levels, we'll get into individual play, 
but you saw Russell Wilson was confused. He did not know what he was looking at all night. You saw he had time. He did not know where to go. One, it was compared with just good coverage when they're covering him, disguising looks. You couldn't, yeah, I could never tell where Peppers was. Peppers playing deep, playing two high safeties, playing down, blitzing. We didn't let them know at all what we were going to do. And this, this defense showed up. I mean, the first drive they drove down and we had that bend, don't break. Uh, Isaac Yadom had a, a nice pass deflection. And then, uh, Peppers has the one in the, in the end zone. And then ever since then, we clamped them besides one drive. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, you know, the two things that we talked about, or I specifically talked about last week leading into the Seahawks game, was the fact that, yes, the Giants aren't a defense that allows a lot of explosive pass plays. That's number one, and we can get more into that, about exactly what Russell Wilson was seeing or what he wasn't seeing. But also, the Seahawks would get up to the 50-yard line. But between the 50-yard line and the 40-yard line, they couldn't cross it. How many, you know, how many times did we find that, oh, the Seahawks are punting here when they maybe should go for it or try like a 55, 56 yard field goal? That was a few times and a few drives where the Seahawks, they were getting close to midfield. They crossed the 50 yard line and then drives were just stalled. Drives were stalled. And the Giants defense all year has been very, very, very good. When teams have crossed the 50 yard line, they've allowed offenses to cross 50 yard line. But today, they buckled down to an extreme, extreme extent um, when the C- when the Seahawks offense crossed the 50. They weren't allowed them to run. That's where the key sacks came. The key sacks came all around midfield. J- extremely, extremely fun. They kept every single thing in front of them today. Every single thing. It was beautiful. And even like Bradbury, it's like it wasn't a typical Bradbury game where it's like he just shuts down the opponent. Metcalf had five catches for 80 yards. Granted, 24 of those were against um, Isaac Eden. Um, so Bradbury held him the four fifty six. So which isn't isn't great, but it's also like DK Metcalf. You're talking about being Calvin Johnson. You're you're supposed to be better than Calvin Johnson. That's a really good game. Um, and then, but also let's let's break that down a little bit more. Let's break that down a little bit more. And you can see how many of those catches were on comeback comeback. They were comeback routes. Yeah, Bradbury, Bradbury was playing off. Doing, they were playing Bradbury off. Yes. What Bradbury's doing is he's flipping his hips one way to defend the deep ball and running a streak. But then if Metcalf is just going to turn around and he's going to catch a comeback route, it's going to go, oh, what, for 12, 13 yards? That's fine. That's fine. You have three more plays to get it right on the defensive side of the ball. As long as you are not allowing the big 40-yard play, which, you know, over that first drive, I got a little worried. Because it's like, oh, that's just, you know, that was just an incredible throw by Russell Wilson, an incredible catch by Lockett, and Peppers delivered the boom, but that's just what happens when you have a good wide receiver and a good quarterback. But if they're just going to, you know, throw the ball, what, for 12 yards here, 13 yards there, run the ball for five yards here, having the big drives of 10, 11, 12 plays, it's not sustainable in the NFL. It's not. To consistently score seven points, especially when you're playing such a good defense, and the Giants. And the Seahawks only had one red zone trip trip today, despite them being the second best red zone offense in the National Football League. Like I said, it's crazy to think like we took Russell Wilson and just totally clamped him. I, I mean, it gives yep. you some confidence. Like I, we don't fear him. We fear no man. Cardinals, cool. Yep. Browns yep. offense, cool. I, I fear I fear no man with this defense. Patrick Graham, man, is coaching, coaching out of his mind, and he's 
getting what I love about Patrick Graham, and I know this is like a, a pretty bland like radio take, but he's taking good players and making them better. James Bradbury's playing better ball than he's mm-hmm. ever had. I think Logan Ryan probably is playing better ball than he's ever had. Jabril Peppers obviously is playing better ball. Leonard Williams, I mean, he he has eight and a half sacks through twelve games. I know you you're gonna want to talk about Leonard. <laughs> Every single guy is like playing, like Blake Martinez is playing the best ball of his life. Everybody is just playing yeah. to their strengths. Hell, we got Cam Brown, Carter Coffin, and Nico Lalos playing on the edge and making plays. I mean, Patrick Graham, man, is he doesn't coach scared. Like he coaches no. with with no fear. Yeah, uh, there is no weak link on this defense right now. Now, obviously, you can look at cornerback too. That's the weak link, and that's the beauty and the the mastery of Patrick Graham of doing a good job of helping and scheming to help out Isaac Yadam. But still, Yadam had two pass deflections today. Yeah, I mean, you know, nobody feels about- bad about Yadam the last month. Like, the, you know, when he first no. came in, him and Ballantyne, it's like, oh, man, this is, you know, this is as big as a weakness as we thought. And now the past month and a half, it's like, oh, yeah, our quarterback two is not our best player, but it's like, we're, we're all right. I find this to be... Insane. I'm still trying to think about and reflect on how exactly are the Giants performing so well despite all of despite all of the things that have gone wrong for them, especially at the edge position. Bobby, the first four guys on the edge depth chart are done. Basically, Zimenez is done, Golden's not on the team, Carter's done, and Fackrell's is hurt for the next few weeks. That's crazy. Cam Brown is a project that was taken in the sixth round. Carter Coughlin was a seventh round pick. Jabal Sheard is a journeyman NFL player. Decent, but journeyman. He's been on, I feel like he's been on five teams in the last three years. You know, who who else am I forgetting at the edge? We had Tay Crowder get a sack today, you know, pass rushing. And that's also the beauty of Patrick Crowder Graham. Crowder played really where well. Crowder played extremely well. But the beauty of what Graham is doing is he isn't just using, like, oh, the edge guys are always going to be the guys that are, uh, you know, on the edge, and there's always going to be two edge rushers on the field at one time. No. Interior linebackers are lining up by the tackles. Three defensive linemen formations. Uh, it was it was Dalvin Tomlinson and Leonard Williams executing that stunt, the, the final sack of the game on Russell Wilson. I'm pretty sure D- uh, Leonard Williams was a defensive end, a hand-in-the-ground defensive end lining up uh, right by the tackle. You know, that's the beauty of what Graham is doing, that it's not, okay, we have all four of our edge guys hurt, so we're going to be using Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown as our two starting edge rushers all of the time. No, doesn't mean anything to him. He adjusts. Even those guys played really well in their roles, you know? Like, Carter Coughlin Coughlin didn't really have the stats in this game, but it's like you just felt Carter Coughlin's presence, whether it's getting other guys free, playing well. Carter Coughlin plays good in coverage. Like, he's good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He is good in coverage. It's, I mean, it's it's crazy to see, you know, these these late round guys, like you said, Patrick Graham gets the best out of his players. I thought Carter Coughlin should have got credit for half a sack there. Did they give? No, the, they, they solely gave it to Peppers. They solely gave it to Peppers because he was also in there. I think at the last second, yeah. but Coughlin was in there. Um, Lelos, we're forgetting about Lelos too. Lelos had a. Did he have a QB hit? No, he did not. Coughlin had a QB hit. Lelos recovered the fumble. Let's also talk about this. I I don't like how I'm about to say this. Because this could be stretching it too far, and you let me know if I'm stretching it too far. But analytics, you know, analytics likes to say that recovering fumbles is, you know, kind of random. But this year, Watch a Joe Judge report, exactly, exactly, and this is exactly what I'm about to say. 
typically, you know, in years past, you feel like, oh, you know, when the Giants have certain opportunities to take advantage of, they don't take advantage of them on either side of the ball, but especially defensively. But this year, when the ball has been on the ground and there was an opportunity to flip the game and change the trajectory of the game, because that botched snap really did change the trajectory of that game. And Russell Wilson initially fell on it, but then Lelos was the guy to, you know, really clean it up. And especially considering that James Bradbury, a couple plays or the play before that, dropped an interception. It was a beauty. It was a beautiful interception just right in his hands. So you feel like, oh, you feel like that's about to come back and bite you in the ass. It didn't. It didn't. And it's the little things that they are executing this year, especially the Giants defense, that is keeping them in games. And now it is winning them games. Yeah. Team football. I mean, there was that that fourth and one that was a turnover and downs. It was so beautiful. It's like you had Coughlin playing the flats. Martinez playing the crosser, um, and then like uh, Yadon playing uh, the other receiver. It was like perfect. Like that play should work for the offense almost every time, and they just played it really well. Yeah, and how many times have we seen in years past uh, Tony Romo running a play-action bootleg, and you either have uh, Jason Witten wide open in the flat, another guy running a crossing route, and he's open down the field. The Giants have been beat by that play, that play-action bootleg play, more times than I can count. And it has been, it was shut down on Sunday, and it's been shut down all year. And it's been beautiful. So, Leonard Williams, you want to talk about Leonard Williams? Well, you want to talk about Leonard Williams. I want to talk about my guy, Jabril Peppers. Every week, he is a playmaker. Every week. I mean, he had five tackles today. He had a sack. That sack was huge. He had a tackle for a loss. Two passes deflected. He is a playmaker. He is all over the field. And this is a guy that people did not like at one point in the season. They were like, oh, Jabril Peppers sucks. He's no landing call. Like, and now it's like he's, I mean, Peppers is, like, who's he the best safety since? Roll? Uh, Versatile-wise, yes. Um, Will Hill was good, but he, he probably played a different role. But he's also, way better than he, Will Hill was here for two seconds. He, ta- he, he takes, was here for two seconds. What He takes what James Betcher wanted to do with, you know, oh, money backer. James Betcher's going to do this money backer. Patrick Graham puts him in that money backer role, and he is flourishing, man. He's a such a huge part for this defense. And honestly, this defense, we went into it a little worried about this defense this season. Honestly, look at the look at the roster though. It's full of playmakers. Pep, um, Logan Ryan, Leonard Williams, Dalvin Thompson, Dexter Lawrence, Blake Martinez, James Bradbury. And then you have guys like Darnay Holmes filling in, Tay Crowder filling in. This defense is full of playmakers, you know? This is I think this is even just furthermore evidence that this is a coaching league. I really do. I really do cuz the Giants defense I don't it does look dramatically different than it did last year. But you still get the feeling. I I'm no I'm not going to go this far. I'm not going to go this far. The Giants defense really did upgrade this year. Um but you still because of the lack of coaching that we have had on the defensive side of the ball for so many years basically until basically since Spags probably in 07. 07 08. Because Spags had talent in 16. And without that talent, Spags has kind of looked lost. But this it's further evidence that this is just a coaching league. Um, Bobby, can I read a um can I just read one stat that I forgot to uh share early uh, earlier on that we could talk about some other some other playmakers here? We'll move on to Leonard Williams after this. Um what I'm gonna read other miscellaneous stats. So Giants have been criticized uh all year. Majority of the year. They've actually been buck- buckling down on getting off the field on third down 
um, last couple weeks, especially against Philadelphia, where they didn't allow a single third down conversion. But Seattle was 4 for 13, 31% on third down today, 0 for 2 on fourth down. Incredible. Incredible. So many stops near the middle of the field. Um, so many stops that derailed drives and they had a punt. Didn't you weren't they weren't even able to put field goals on the board. And then additionally, Giants only allowed four plays of 20 plus yards today. All of all of them coming through the air, none of them on the ground. They did not allow a play of over 30 yards. Russell Wilson had four had 43 attempts. Uh, uh, let's let's contextualize that. Because what's important here is the explosive play rate. You know, you look at four, oh, four passing plays of over 20 yards, that may be a lot. But when Russell Wilson has 43 attempts, that's, that's really, really good. Um, and before, like I said, reminder before this game, Russell Wilson was throwing the ball deep 25% of the time. So um, there you go. That's my other miscellaneous stats I want to throw in there. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been a beast. Talk about Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams, two and a half sacks. Yes. Making plays all over the game, in the run game. He... Has been a, I mean, he's, he has eight and a half sacks on the year. We, we said it be going into the year. Me and you argued. I was like, he's got to, you know, like we knew he was a good player, but it's like he has to get the sacks. He's gotten the sacks. It's put like this, and I, that's why I've always hated the idea of like, oh, this, you know, sacks on, you know, devaluation of sacks. You put a team in first and 18 or second and 18, third and 18, and it totally changes the drive. It changes the way you call plays. Yeah. And, that's what Leonard Williams has done for us eight and a half times this season. One of the reasons why we argued it is because, you know, you were looking and we were kind of arguing the same thing. You were looking at it from a point where Leonard Williams needs to produce. But what I was saying is that the writing was on the wall. Over, and this was this is what I was saying over the summer. The writing was on the wall for Leonard Williams to have this kind of season in 2020 um, from what he did in 2019. Because what is a good predictor of sacks for let's say the following year is if in the previous years if if you don't get home but if you get the QB hits and if you get the pressures that's a better predictor of sacks than anything so that's why you know when people say that sacks can sometimes be random because sometimes there's there is luck involved there's luck involved of how many times you're facing a quarterback that can get the ball out of his hands quickly um so there is a little bit of luck involved but the writing was on the wall for Leonard Williams to have this kind of season but you're right Sacks are important. I won't be the guy that says that sacks are not important. On Leonard Williams' two and a half sacks today, the the Seahawks offense lost a total of 25 and a half yards on those two and a half sacks. It's a lot of yards. (laughs) It's it's a lot of yards. Um, He also had two tackles for loss in the run game. He had a total of five QB hits. And in the last three weeks, Leonard Williams has had 13 QB hits. The last three weeks. That's crazy. 13 QB hits. Two out of his last three games, he has had five QB hits. You put any de- you talk about any defensive end in the NFL and say those stats, say Vaughn Miller, Khalil Mack, TJ Watt, and you're like, yep, that's why he's one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. If, but it's, it's kind of like yeah. a stigma with a defense attack. I mean, he gets there. He gets those hits. He makes plays every single game. He's been a beast for us. Anything else you have? Oh, by the way, Chad Wheeler. Sucks. <laughs> He's horrible. <laughs> he was brutal. I mean, he basically won us the game at the end. It was like just attack Chad Wheeler. He is easy. Like you will get to the quarterback if you attack Chad Wheeler. And you saw Jabal Sheard was just dominating on every single play. Chad Wheeler, man, it was good to see him again. Yeah, it was. Uh, Dexter Lawrence uh, had a fun <laughs> kicked him, and that was fun. Um, I would like to see Dexter Lawrence and Dalvin Tomlinson make more of those plays that are like. Wow, they made a play. Um, there was there was a running play today where they got really good penetration and they shut down. I believe it was Hyde. 
Um, but I would like to see those guys make plays, but also we have enough playmakers. So if those guys are filling their roles and clearly they're doing it correctly, take Crowder. We didn't, we kind of touched on him briefly, but seven combined tackles. He had that sack, that sack resulted in in an 11 yard loss. He had a pass deflection. Um, he had a QB hit additionally, and I thought he looked pretty good in the, clearly looked good in the run game. If he had seven combined tackles too, and he wasn't on the field all the time. And, and he was good in coverage, too. So Blake was out that last drive, find. and Tay Crowder was out there as the inside linebacker and looked confident. Hopefully, Blake is fine. He's at, he's tweeting and stuff, so hope, you know you would think he's going to be all right if he's out you know, celebrating and stuff. It's time to talk about the offense. Are you, is it time to talk about the offense? Is it time to talk about the offense? Is there let's anything else I offense. would want to say? Yeah, let's talk about the offense. Let's start with the very, very, very positive. This offensive line is beastly and these running backs are working well with them justin since the mark colombo firing the off they've given up two sacks they had zero against cincinnati two in this game one of those was on dn lewis one of those was on dn lewis and and one was shane lemieux where he got kind of embarrassed um honestly if will hernandez had that play we would be calling for will hernandez to be murdered um but that's that's just what happens when you're three years into your career all right anyways they were giving. They gave 31 sacks in 10 games. Two in the last two games. And one of them was on the running back. And then you look at the running game. Um, this game, 31 carries for 190 yards. 6.1 yards per carry. That even includes two yards and two two carries for two yards from Colt McCoy. Um, the game before, 31 or uh, 42 carries, 142 yards. 36 carries, 151 yards. 35 carries, 166 yards. This team is pounding the rock and they're doing it really well. Well, I mean, and and the offense, only reason the offense scored any points was solely on the run game. We'll talk about the offense as a whole, but I, I want to talk about the offensive line, man. The offensive line is so encouraging to watch, so encouraging to watch. Andrew Thomas is a beast now. It's not like, hey, he's getting better. Andrew Thomas is good. He is a good left tackle. He's, I'm sure we have some more ups and downs, but he is a good left tackle. The only sack that he's given up in the last five games was the most coverage sack of the season where they were literally sit like every defender was sitting under the routes and it was a first play against the Eagles. That's the only time um, he's, you didn't hear about him all day in pass game. I get they didn't throw it a ton, but he was flawless, man. And it's, it's getting better and better every week where up until that Eagles Thursday night game, it was getting worse and worse every week. Ever since Joe judge has been, got his hands on this offensive line, it has been beautiful and especially Andrew Thomas and Andrew Thomas success doesn't have to do with Shane Lemieux as much as Mark Slareth said that um, Mark Slareth didn't even realize Will Hernandez got COVID Mark Slareth is an idiot by the way he's just a bad announcer I like him as a guy he's just a bad announcer Andrew Thomas has been a beast for this Giants team and showing why he was drafted fourth overall didn't allow a single pressure and uh, according to PFF and you know PFF is very liberal with their pressures so it did feel like at times Colt McCoy could read a book back there. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, what is happening? We usually see this on the other side of the ball where offenses are, you know, where opposing quarterbacks are usually just sitting in the pocket with a million years to throw the ball. And then they find, eventually find a guy. And that was Colt McCoy. And oh boy, is Colt McCoy uh, not athletic. Oh boy. Is he just not very athletic at all? So offensive line was right on though. Kind of how I summarized this game is for two series today, two series, the offense and the offensive line 
looked like they were in 2008, and the defense for four quarters looked like they were in 2007 towards the latter end of the season. That's how I kind of summarized it. Uh, But, Bobby, I can't remember the last time the Giants just imposed their will in the run game for two series, two straight series, like they did um, today. I cannot tell you the last time. Wayne Wayne Gallman had his first uh, 100-yard game in his career. He had 16 carries for 135 yards. Alfred Morris, eight carries for 39 yards, a touchdown, one catch for six yards and a touchdown. I mean, the only time the only time this offense scored points was literally because of the rushing game. It was. And we'll, we, I do want to actually talk about Jason Garrett, and we're going to be a little critical. We'll probably save more of that for Wednesday because it's a victory podcast. But the offensive line and the running backs put the team on their back offensively. Now, the defense won the game, but offensively, they there's no points without them. There's no points without those big, yeah. explosive plays in the run game. You want to, Wow. Bobby, how many attempts? Wayne Goldman had 16 attempts. I want you to guess, and it is an absurd rate. I'm just giving you a hint. What is the rate at which Wayne Goldman ran the ball into an eight-plus man box? 100%. So that, that would be absurd. It was 75. It felt like 100%. I mean, they were stacking the box <laughs> against us. I mean, they were begging us to take shots. They were. I mean, they played yeah. Darius Slayton and press man basically the entire game with no safety at the top. I mean, almost. The, I was just like, yeah. they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to throw this eventually, right? They they never did. Um, and Wayne yeah, Gallman so. is number one of the Wayne Gallman's number one of the National Football League as of right now, out of all running backs, um, in rushing yards over expected per attempt, and that metric basically is measuring individual running back play and. How many rushing yards an individual running back is producing for an offense? And he's he was number one in the National Football League. And that wasn't just a total rushing yards over expected because he had the 60 yards, but it was on a per attempt basis. So that's awesome. Absolutely awesome. That's much better than I thought. And especially considering that he ran into an eight plus man box, three out of every four carries. Uh, so that's 12 out, of, 12 out of his 16 carries were into an eight man box. I did the quick math in my head. That's absurd. Yeah, I mean, they were like, they, they were like, they wanted us to try and hand the ball off into the, and we just, we just outwilled them. We had our offensive line outwilled them, Gallman outwilled them. For those two drives. Yeah. Those two, it was basically two drives of the game. Um, and they were actually throwing the ball quite well, um, before the Engram, uh, interception, before that kind of throw. They were moving the ball quite well in the first half, but in the second half, it was those two drives that made the difference in the game, um, and it put fourteen points on and put fourteen points on the board. That's why it felt like this team today. I felt like I was watching the two thousand eight and two thousand seven Giants because it was just a, 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 they did enough on offense to win the game, and then defense they just imposed their will. They hit the quarterback. The guys in the secondary made plays on the football, and they didn't allow big plays. I have an announcement to make. Okay. I am now, after two touchdowns, an Alfredite. I am officially an Alfredite. Oh. So all my nights, you shouldn't want me at this point. Yeah, it's going to go on well without me. You don't want me coming in there and messing up the whole culture. I am an Alfredite, though. Two touchdowns. I picked him in the last pick of the fantasy draft. I am an Alfredite. And he looks good. And I he has the – Alfred Morris, I hated it when he was with Washington. But he has the be, like one of the best celebrations, just – Hitting the homer, like yeah. it's, it's it's every time it's worth a gift. Alfred Morris is so slow; it actually allows running plays to set up. Oh, yeah, I like it. He's 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 thinking. FAU's finest. FAU's finest there in Alfred Morris. 
The receipt. Let's. You want to talk about the passing game? Mm-hmm. No, but no. Now Colt McCoy is not good. You know, I don't. I don't. I don't think anybody's out here saying Colt McCoy is good. He's not good. I mean, you saw. I mean, Shepard had one catch for twenty-two yards. Shepard, who had been catching over eighty percent of his targets, had one catch on six targets. Um, Evan Ingram had four catches no. on eight targets. I actually wasn't mad at like the idea of like run versus pass frequency. Um, like I know you were mad at the end of the half. I actually wasn't mad. Like I would have liked them to throw it on third there, but I was I wasn't mad at them running. Like I'm not going to blame them for the block punt. It's not their fault. Like they were just trying to they were just trying to get the halftime. And I don't blame them for that. You know, you're not going to go out there. Well, and... you get to halftime quicker if you get a first down. Yeah, but they're trying the to force. You know, they're trying to get a first down and and force them to use their timeouts. But anyways, you force them to use their timeouts if you get a first down and the half's over. That Evan Ingram is everything that is wrong with this offense. And honestly, there should be no like, oh, he's playing to his personnel. He's playing his game plan. This It was the perfect game plan for this game. You can't have a game plan that needs you to shut down Russell Wilson to 12 points. Like, that's not a, that's not a good game plan, okay? <laughs> like, I get – continue to run the ball, good. But also, like, Jason Garrett doesn't get credit for guys being good at blocking. He has nothing to do with the offensive line, really. You know, run running – running. there's different schemes you could do in the run game. But as far as just, like, being a good blocker, Jason Garrett yeah. has zero to do with that. And I'm not – like, zero. It's the offensive line coach and Gooch, who's been awesome, and Joe Judge. Those are the two guys. Jason Garrett's spent – the offensive coordinator will spend no time working with their blocking, and especially after the whole Col- yeah. Colombo debacle. He's definitely not now. Yeah, Jason Jason Garrett calling a power play um, isn't – isn't anything like wow? We should really celebrate Jason Garrett's play calling because he called a because he called a running play. Wow, great for him. Good we job. We had zero Jason points. Garrett. That's this is the worst passing defense in the NFL. We had zero points in the first half. Yes, and that Evan Ingram. Yeah. I get. Did Colt McCoy throw it a little bit inaccurate on the Evan Ingram interception? Yeah. Did the did the ball go through his hands? Yeah. But that play represents everything that is wrong with the Giants' offense. It represents everything. Why? Well, guess what? Because teams are sitting on those curl. I mean, we just run curl. We run to the sticks and turn around. That is our third down play call. And guess what happens? Yep. They just sit. The defenders just sit at the sticks. And we'll, so what happens? Evan Ingram has to stop two yards short. He has to stop two yards short and turn around. And so even if he catches it, it's not a first down. And because they're doing that, they're jumping it. And Evan Ingram, although he should catch the ball, is getting hit as he's catching the ball which means the ball goes up. And because it's in tight space, means there's defenders behind you. An interception. You had Darius Slayton all game long. They were pressing him with no safety at the top. I mean, I was just like, they they have to throw this ball. They have to throw a fade to him at least one time. Like, this is what this guy does, is beat these press mans for fades. They didn't run it a single time. Then he, I don't think they even ran the route. It's I it's awesome that we won. It's a victory Monday. But this off, what this offense did should not be celebrated. I get Colt McCoy is good, or not good, but I think more less than blaming it on Colt McCoy. I think Colt McCoy just highlighted what's wrong with this offense. It exposes what's yeah. wrong with this offense, and it's not the issues of turnovers are not just Daniel Jones. Oh, he's just he's just a turnover prone guy, and it wasn't saved by like the last few weeks with Daniel Jones audibles at the line of scrimmage. The deep plays the last few weeks have been. For the most part, Daniel Jones audibles at the line of scrimmage. And when yep. you see and that was the big criticism of Garrett with Romo, is Romo was the offensive coordinator. He was the he audibled everything. And people that play with him. So I hate to be the Debbie Downer after a victory Monday. It feels good. It's one of the best wins in, in a long time for the New York Giants. 
Yep. But this offense, the offensive, sh- the offense should not be celebrated. The offensive line and the running back should, which I, which are a part of it. But like, if the Seahawks score, are we saying you know Garrett did call a good game plan? You know the defense is just going to hold off that last drive. You know, like there, there, there's no like, so there should not be given credit. Like, like I said, if if they get a touchdown on that last drive, they, we lose the game. And I, I promise we are you, blaming it on Garrett. I promise you that zero people are saying, you know, Garrett did call a good game. You know, he he did call a good game. You know, you know, it's not his fault. He gave up the touchdown at the end. Now credit, like yeah. I said, Patrick Graham. And the defense won the game, which is awesome. But this idea that the the game plan is for the defense to win the game is crazy against a Seahawks defense that sucks. And one of the big reasons it yeah. sucks is because of miscommunications on the back end. You can't have those miscommunications if there is never a shot taken. Having that logic as a fan saying, oh, this is this was the game plan today. Like you said, Bobby, in the NFL that is an offensive league, is absurd. It's absurd. And you're right. If, if, if Russell Wilson marches down the field and they win, which they didn't and good. And it is because of Patrick Graham. It is because of that defense. But if they march down the field, we are starting off this podcast saying Jason Garrett cost us this game. We are. That's how we are starting off the podcast instead of ending off the podcast. And what this ultimately proves is there is a reason why Bobby and I are giving way more praise to Daniel Jones these last few weeks for what he has done versus Jason Garrett. You saw it today. If the game plan and the scheme was so good, Colt McCoy would have looked average. Would have looked average. And Colt McCoy was still making some calls at the line of scrimmage. He was still doing some things. But without Daniel Jones being the maestro that he has been and the explosive plays, which also, Bobby, uh, let me ask, you know, let's also acknowledge this. What made the Giants click today on those on those on those two drives was explosive plays in the running game. Oh, the sixty-yard Wayne Gallman play. Let me break down how they scored because I I just want to remember. Yeah. How what, how did you feel? I want to soul search yourself, listeners. Ask yourself how did you feel at halftime when we had zero points against the worst passing defense in the NFL? How did you feel? Now what happened after halftime? We put up seventeen points, which means three scores. What happened? Well, we had. 77 carries or yards on three runs, touchdown. Big play to Gallman, two carries by Morris to pound it in, touchdown. Awesome. I'm fine with, like I said, my issue is not Garrett running the ball a lot. Like, that's not my issue with him at all. And then the next one, what happened? Well, they had a turnover in downs around the 50-yard line. They had 42 carry yards on four carries, and then the McCoy touchdown to Alfred Morse. But they started at midfield. Then the next, the next uh, point, now 17 points isn't enough. Isn't a lot. So even in the context of like, even if these were all great drives, 17 points isn't a lot. We had an interception. We gained three yards, kicked a field goal. That's that's not <laughs> a that's not a game plan, okay? That's not an offensive game plan right there. And my, my issue is, like I said, my issue is not like, oh, they're running the ball, like, or they're running the ball too much. I'm fine with that. I'm fine. Like, I'm fine with the run the pass ratio. The issue is just like, the concepts are been piss poor. And Jones has... P- honestly like made it look not as bad the last few weeks because every time they have yeah. went downfield Jones has converted that's why Daniel like it's not a lot but when they do Daniel Jones has been the best deep ball passer in the NFL so it's not a, it's not a big yeah. rate but I have a, I had a hot take at halftime and I'm not gonna say it but just, I just don't feel good about him man 
and I this is a great no. victory Monday. This is a great victory Monday. I hate to be Debbie Downer. I just do not feel good about this. I do not see it ending when do with you, him well. When do you, here's the question. When do you think they're going to learn to stop throwing it to Evan Ingram on a button hook? When do you think they're going to learn? They should eliminate it from the playbook. We talked about this. They should eliminate it from the playbook. It leads to more turnovers. This whole idea of the quick game, trying to eliminate Jones' turnovers, it's made it worse. <laughs> like, almost yeah, all the turnovers are they, on the quick. And jo- they're like, and now it's like, oh, Jones sometimes is second-guessing himself. I don't blame him. I want to second-guess himself either when te- defenses are just sitting on it. Yeah. Yeah. They almost, uh, Colt McCoy almost threw an interception one of the first two drives of the game because he was trying to force the ball to... Shepard, who was just running a a, a a run to the sticks, turn around type of deal. Yeah. So, it's terrible. It's just not it's not creative. And I know it's a it's a cliche sports radio take, but Bobby and I were highlighting it as the game happens, and we're highlighting it even afterwards and on our Wednesday shows, where then we go into some specific examples. Guys are just going to the sticks on third down, and they are turning around, and they are hoping. I don't know what Jason Garrett's hoping for, but guys are not open. Now, the first two drives of the game, Bobby, this is what I this is what really surprised me. Guys were actually open. Like Shepard had that 20-yard completion and he was open. They were, you know, they were I guess they were playing some sort of soft zone. Golden Tate was open. And then I don't know if we just didn't go back to it. Um I actually was a little frustrated by the fact that we were running the ball on first and second down so yeah, often. I have an issue with so that. then what it well, but what it does is when you were when you're averaging two three yards in the first half on rushing attempts, and when you run the ball on first down, you're putting your backup quarterback in a very bad situation on second down and third down. That's what you're doing. Uh, Daniel Jones was good enough against Cincinnati uh, for when they didn't do well on first down, and when Daniel Jones was facing third and longs, he was good enough to really do a good job on third down. When Bobby, you break down Daniel Jones' third down passing every week. He faces a lot of third and longs, and it's because this offense is not efficient on early downs. And you saw it today. You saw it especially in the first half. But it's just so rare, and it's so unsustainable to have those big plays in the running game like they did, and for that to be the sole reason why you score points in the NFL and you win games in the NFL. Just just imposing your will. What? The Ravens can do it, and teams are figuring them out, by the way. And... The Titans can do it. The Titans can do it. The Browns can do it. D- tell me another team that can just impose their will in the running game. It's not sustainable. It's not. See, but my issue is not running the ball a lot. It's just the concepts when we do throw it, and especially on on third down. It's just like that. That interception on Evan Ingram was a no win. There was no winning on that play. There was every single route was. You look at it. Every single route was beneath the sticks. Not a single one went past the sticks. That's crazy. That's just. It's crazy to me. Um, it is. Speaking of past the sticks, though, let's 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 get back to positive. Speaking of past the sticks, uh, Russell Wilson today averaged uh, uh, on his passing attempts averaged uh, minus two yards behind the sticks, which is pretty rare for him. Usually, you're around the point one margin, the point two. Um, even sometimes you have a really good game, you're at you're above one, but you know, uh, averaging you know. Two yards behind the sticks on all of your passing attempts. He didn't know what he was looking at. Russell Wilson did not know what he was looking at. And that is a credit to Patrick Graham and the and the players for running this scheme effectively. He did not know what he was looking at all night. Darius Slayton has one catch over the last two games. 
Now, part of that's on Slayton because they did have that big drop last week. But like I said, they played press man. I mean, I walked, I was looking at every play. I was like, they are just like, they're like begging us to throw a fade. They're begging us to throw a fade. Yep. Um, it felt like the it felt like the end of the Eagles game where they did ended up having that forty yarder to Slayton, where it's like eventually we're gonna have like we're gonna have to throw this like, just to get them to, if anything, just throwing it one time will make it easier to run the ball. And we just and they literally never did. There was one time where no. it was to Shepard and and granted Colt McCoy did not throw it well. So, like I said, Colt McCoy is not good. I think Colt McCoy didn't. I think Colt McCoy more so shined light on what this offense is more than it was just, oh, this offense sucks with Colt McCoy. Let me ask you this because, like you said, you're you're fine with the run-to-pass ratio. But when teams are stacking the box on average 75%, and, and not just stacking the box, but putting eight-plus defenders in the box on rushing attempts – are you then also fine with the run to pass ratio when it just is not smart or yes, not intelligent to run the ball in, in a situation? There's nothing like having that. Like, hey, we don't care what you do. We are gonna run. We are gonna run it up your gut. I get. There's like you know you shouldn't run it to a stack box, but when you can and you do it, it totally. It just it's it's a good thing to do. I know what num- numbers say. It's a good thing to do when you can just run at will like that. And it moves the clock. Well, they only did it for two drives, and and the and the other tu- and the other touchdown they started at midfield, like you said. So, it's not sustainable. That's my point. It's not yeah. sustainable, and you're not setting your up for six. You're not setting yourself yourself up for long term success if you just cannot throw the ball. And you're and it's it was the same argument with Barkley too. If you're just relying on a ten plus yard run to to move the chains, yeah. Uh, which largely the Giants' offense the last couple weeks. They have been better at getting the four or five yard gain consistently in the run game, but it's also because Daniel Jones has been throwing the ball quite well and quite efficiently. So yeah. I've kind of been trying to lead this charge of the pass sets up the run this year, and I think that this is a game that kind of says why. That's why you see the last couple of weeks people like who watch film being like, Daniel Jones is balling, but it's like he hasn't thrown a touchdown. <laughs> you know? Like that's that is yeah. kind of like the like that's what you look at this offense. Like Daniel Jones is balling, but they haven't had any touchdowns. Um, when somebody in the chat, Panna Save says, and I agree with this 100%, because it's like, oh man, Garrett's play calling has sucked this week. And it's like, no, Garrett's game plan for Colt McCoy looked exactly like every other game this season. Look, it, it, This game plan looked exactly like every other game this season. Yeah. Yeah. Giants defense, good. We're happy. Giants football I team, cannot... good, baby. Four in a yes. freaking roll. It went from like, man, I think we can win this division to now it's like we're gonna I think I think we're gonna win this division. I think we will be in the playoffs. Yeah. And I'm not afraid of any of these teams. What playoff team are you afraid of? Are you afraid of the Packers? I'm not. I'm sure as hell ain't afraid I, of the Seahawks. I, I am. Right. I'm not afraid of the Cardinals. Any or- other team any other team besides I'm afraid of the Saints as a team, but the Packers I am But even then, do you don't afraid you don't think of. like I trust Graham against every offense in the NFL. That's Even true. the Chiefs, I would be like, you just don't let's, trust the let's offense. see it. I tweeted this out, and I was like, man, this kind of sounds like a hot take early in the week. I was like, honestly, I'm excited to play Russell Wilson. I'm so I'm excited to play a QB who takes chances instead of these dink and dunkers who's like, oh, they get four yards here, five yards here. I am excited to see what happens with a QB who's going to take chances and what their offense is a base around taking chances. Russell Wilson became a dink and dunk QB today, which is insane. Well, he didn't. He wasn't trying to be. It was just correct. It was. He had yeah. to be. And and usually when the dink and dunk, it was like four seconds into the play, too, you know? So it wasn't Correct. like he was like, that, wasn't like a no snap, other choice. pre-snap read, go. It was more like pre-snap, 
down. All right, that got locked underneath. That's what, <laughs> you know. Um, and like Let shit. me see what his average time to throw was. I mean, he threw the ball for uh, 43 times, 6.1 yards per attempt. And it was, uh, his average time to throw was three seconds, which that's, that's, that's probably very top of the high. league this week. <laughs> yeah, wait, let me check. Let me see if it is. Um, no, Baker Mayfield. Well, Baker Mayfield runs the, all these play actions. So that doesn't count. It was third. It was third in the league. Third in the second. league. Second. Uh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. All right. Um, think about this podcast, and me and you, Justin, were like, we we started at zero and five. It's like, this sucks. I hate that we do this. Like, I hate this. It, it like makes you question your career. And now we're on a four game <laughs> yeah. winning streak. We're in first place, and it's like we're cocky now. It, I, it feels good to be cocky as a sports fan. It's been a while. It's been yeah. a while. Like the Yankees, you know, they haven't been cocky for me. The Nets were about to be real cocky. I'm about to get a bunch of Knicks fans to unfollow me this season. You know, the Devils sure as hell ain't been. It's been a while since I've been a cocky sports fan, and it feels good to be a cocky yeah. sports fan again. I don't care for five and seven. I don't care if we have a losing record. No. I am a cocky New York Giants fan right now, and it feels so damn good. We were 0-5, right? We were 0-5. So, since then, we've been 5-2. and And I said that earlier in the show. Think about where we were at 0-5, like you said, Bobby. You know, And I'll kind of just spin this kind of in a different way. If you were to tell us when we were 0-5, that in the next seven games we would go 5-2, and doesn't matter who we play. Like, we would say that is a real substantial sign of progress. That is a real substantial sign of progress and this Giants t- and this Giants franchise turning itself around. You know, uh, this uh, this may be very big picture, very vague, very hot takey, and I try not to get like that. But really, this victory does cement a franchise that is turning itself around. When you beat an MVP caliber player, which it is kind of crazy that Russell Wilson has never won an MVP... Um, there's always just there's always just somebody else in the NFL that does like a, a, an oomph of a percentage better than him, and that's why he doesn't get the MVP, and it kind of stinks. But doesn't stink this game because we made this guy an MVP MVP caliber player look bad, made him look bad, and we took advantage of opportunities when when they were in front. He held of us. Russell so Wilson five 10 and two points. in the last seven. DK Crazy. Metcalf, Tyler Crazy. Lockett, Chris Carson, ten points, ten points. And like you said with that stat, he had time to throw. was in great protection, mm-hmm. but he had time to throw. Like I said, I, I fear no man. Because of this defense, I fear no man. Besides Jason Garrett. James Bradbury going up against DeAndre Hopkins. I can't wait. I can't. I, I have no fear for this Cardinals offense. Cardinals were always the team I thought we could steal one against, honestly. They were the team where I was like, I, I think we could steal one. Can we talk about Mark Slareth, dude? Dude was sucking off Jamal Adams the entire game. Wayne Gallman has a 60-yard run. It's like, look at Jamal Adams. Make the tackle, though. He's annoying. He hates us now because we fired Mark, or Joe Judge fired Mark Colombo. He didn't say, like, one good thing about the offensive line. Oh, he know because he knows he's in the, excuse my language, he knows he's in the shitter. Yeah, what a stupid tweet he had. He knows it. He will never be able to live that tweet down. Never. About uh, what he was praising Colombo in that tweet—is that what he was yeah, doing? Oh, it's all Colombo turned that, the offensive line around. He will never be able to live it down, and and honestly, that was probably like an innocent tweet. He will never be able to live it down now. Oh, never. he was trying to—he was backing his guy who sucks in Mark Colombo. Mark Colombo's a bad offensive line coach. 
And that was so frustrating afterwards. Like, really, what could Judge honestly teach them that Columbo wasn't doing? Like, I don't think, I think this is just a bad talking point. It's like, hey, Jeff Swartz, they literally were fighting about what the differences were in philosophies. So, yes, there was apparently some difference, and it's made a huge... Like, Andrew Thomas was getting worse every week. It wasn't like... Yeah. Every week, he got worse. It was like the Steelers game, awesome. Bears games, like, he did give up a sack, but had a couple bad plays, but he looked all right. The 49ers game, it's like, he's bad. Forty, The Rams game, he was bad in the first quarter. Thing got better as the game went along. And then Washington was the game he was he was um, uh, suspended for the you know a few drives, and then the next game was the Eagles, and he was it was pathetic like that game was pathetic. And after that, Joe Judge took over, and Andrew Thomas has looked like a monster ever since. He's looked better. Bobby, the last, remember if you're what? going off the last five games, and I watch every single one of them. And Beckton supposedly gave two sacks this week, and I love I love oh. Beckton's and Wills, I really do. The last five weeks, Thomas has been the best out of all of them. Remember when we had some idiots and losers telling us that Andrew Thomas should play right tackle and how we were a bunch no, of idiots? Don't, don't call them idiots and losers. I know who you're you're talking about one person, but there is some good people like that. That's not the worst point in the world. But there was one person who was like patting themselves on the back for saying that. Unbelievable. Andrew Thomas, my guy. As I take a sip of refreshing I have victory seen water. people who I was like, man, these people are really negative, And now they're like, they're all in. Feels good, man. Media has national media has been pretty quiet today about this Giants. I, I and I usually hate bringing it Ocho up. Bobby. Came, I hate. Ocho, I I know people hate Ocho. I actually think he's kind of fun. Like he played into it a little bit, and then he posted a video of like all the clowns being like me and all the people who said Joe Judge was gonna suck. Okay, so that's that's nice of Emmanuel Ocho about playing the heartstrings of Giants fans. But you know, even like I was watching the f- football night in America. Very very quick through the Giants game. Um, I, I actually should pay a little bit more attention to the national media and their takes this week to see exactly what they're saying about the Seahawks. Watch the narrative is it, the narrative is going to be not that the Giants put together uh, an, an elite defensive game plan, the best defensive game and best defensive performance that they've given since 2016, where they spent, m- mind you, a quarter of a billion dollars on that defense, a quarter of a billion dollars on that defense in 2016, and that and we gave that kind of performance against Russell Wilson. But I'm going to pay extra attention to see what, is that, what exactly is the narrative coming out of this Giants game. Is it that the Giants won a really good football game and then they played a, a really good game, at least on the defense side of the ball? Or is it going to be that the Seahawks are falling apart? Are the Seahawks falling apart? Last couple of weeks, though, people have been pretty nice to the Giants. I will, I will say that. Yes. Good. I'm glad. Go Giants, man. Victors. Go Giants. First place. Four in Two a row. Two-point underdogs against the Cardinals. Good. I Wait want till Daniel way. Jones is back. Daniel Jones is coming back. I want big plays all over the field. Mm-hmm. I want DeAndre Hopkins being shut down. We're playing Marcus Golden. I want him to break his ankle. No, I'm just kidding. Um... Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Come on, Andrew Thomas. Shut down Marcus Golden. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be pre- that would be pretty cool. I love Marcus Golden, but that that would be that would be pretty cool. Matt Parrott played a happen. good amount today, too. I'm interested to see how well he oh. played. It seemed like he was making a difference in the run game, by the way, so Yeah. Cool. Right on. Right on, right on, right on. Let's see. Can we? Is there any dumb tweets we can read before we end this? 
I don't know. I feel like we could uh, find I, one. I could tell a story. I could tell a story um, while you look up a tweet. Um, the story is is how I peer pressured Cam Brown into retweeting me. So I had a tweet, and it was a it was it was a video of Cam Brown uh, stopping uh, a play in the run game today. Can't tell who the running back is right now. Um, I think it actually was Chris Carson. Cam Brown did a really good job setting the edge, um, made a tackle behind the line of scrimmage. It should be counted as a tackle for a loss. And I said, it's it's unbelievable how well Cam Brown, Carter Coughlin, Nico Lelos are all playing without the first four um, edge rushers on the Giants roster you, or, or the depth chart from the start of the year. So uh, he liked the tweet. And then I saw that he liked the tweet. And then I, I replied to myself and I added him and I said, you know you want to retweet this. You know you do. And he did. So I, I peer pressured Camp Brown into self into publicity for himself. That was also publicity for me. Win-win. Nico Lelos. Thank you, LeBron, for giving us this guy. And he gets turned. Yes. He has a turnover. He, catch, he, he, he gets the ball 100% of the time. And, you know, 100% of his games, he gets a turnover. Thank you, LeBron. But you're gonna Thank get you, your, LA Bron. You're going to get beat by the Nets this year. Sorry, LeBron. Wow. All right. We appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already subscribed, like. You can't like on a podcast app, but just do it. Nope. Just do it. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Wednesday for a mailbag and cleanup episode. Going to be fun. Until then, let's go. First place, big Blue.